Hello, this is Raki on the Sustainable Founders Podcast. Today I have Shannon Murphy, founder of Simple Living Co., a minimalist and accredited professional organizer. Hello, Shannon. Tell me about your brand, your services, and why you believe you are a sustainable company. Hello. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be having this conversation. So yes, I am a professional organizer. I'm based in West Sussex. And my goal is larger than just helping people to declutter and sort out their homes. Although that is an important element of what I do. So my goal is to empower people to embrace a life free from the constraints of what society tells us that we need and to help people to simplify their lives so they can make room for what truly matters to them. So in terms of services, I offer in-person client sessions in West Sussex, East Sussex, Surrey and South London, where I come into people's homes and actually help them to physically declutter their space. But I also offer online coaching sessions where we can talk through their space, they can get personalized action plans, but also we can focus on mindset stuff, which is looking at overconsumption and how people have ended up in such a cluttered situation in a completely non-judgmental way, but I will help and support them to look at their mindset and make changes to their life. And then I've also recently launched a community group. So we meet up together online and we all help and support each other to declutter our homes and change our habits and mindsets. There's like Q&A sessions, declutter along, have guest speakers on. And there's also a private WhatsApp group for members to share their goals and support each other. In terms of sustainability, I think it's really important to say first that the reality is that our world isn't currently structured to support a sustainable living lifestyle. And by adopting a minimalist lifestyle, it just isn't really the norm at the moment. So we're bombarded with like 50 to 400 advertisements a day. And fast fashion is the most affordable and easy accessible thing on the market in terms of um, buying things. But while it's difficult to support more sustainable brands because they're fewer and they're more expensive, it doesn't mean that it isn't possible. We are being marketed to just so much and it's leading us to have this false sense of that possessions are going to make our life easier and happier and really that isn't the truth so yeah for me it's about slowing down the buying process you don't need to aspire to have that like pinterest perfect pantry or limit your wardrobe to be like solely black and you can have other things in your wardrobe like colorful items but that isn't what you need to be sustainable so Minimalism encourages people to focus on what's truly adding value to their lives. And as part of my work, I help clients to discover that root cause of what's going on in their accumulation of stuff. So it helps them to let go of the items that are getting in their way of the future, but also work out ways they can prevent from getting back in that situation. So if you have somebody who says, okay, I'm drowning in things, what is your starting point? Because Obviously, you're accredited, and I didn't even realise this was a thing. <laughs> I, I, and I initially thought people who were minimalists were just more tidy and organised and mindful. But you're certified and accredited in this. Can you tell me 
What is that certification covering? Um, how does it prepare you? And then when you go in to meet somebody who has too much stuff, what do you look out for? Yeah, so the CPD is literally just a continuing professional development certification. So I went on a 12-week course to become a professional organiser. Now, for me, that wasn't, you know, that I need to learn to become a professional organiser because I have spent um, eight years learning all about minimalism. It's something I'm really passionate about and um, I've brought into my own lifestyle. Well, where do I start with people who come to me? So I have so many people book in for a consultation and and want to just share what's going on for them. And so much it's about feeling overwhelmed, feeling cluttered, out of control, and they want to take back control of their lives. So it's about finding out what's happened for them and what isn't working. Something that a lot of people do is start to turn to shopping as a way of feeling better and coping. And that has a momentary benefit in terms of it gives you a boost in endorphins and you feel really good for that moment, but it quickly evaporates and then you're on to wanting to get the next thing. So when you continuously are in that cycle and you're not letting go of anything, your home becomes cluttered and overwhelming for you. And then how do you deal with that stuff? What do you do? What do you keep? What do you let go of? And that's when people can come to me. I had this friend actually, and I'm pretty horrified by what they told me because we were out once and he was saying, oh, I don't have time to do laundry this week. And I've got to, I've like run out of clothes. And I need to change the bed sheet. I'll just go on Amazon and then Amazon Prime and I'll just get new bed covers and then they'll be here tomorrow so I don't have to do my laundry. And I was horrified. I was like, are you actually going to buy new things because you don't want to wash your existing things? And I feel there's something in society, you, you pinned it. You said we're just driven by consumption now and we don't, it's, it's just mindless and it's so easy and convenient to click, click, click and shop that we just do it without even thinking about the impact of what we're doing. And I remember just being very horrified. But services like Amazon Prime next day just means that you can have everything instantly without having the effort. And I think convenience is is killing us and drowning us. And really, it's I think we need to start becoming a little bit less, a little bit more inconvenienced, I think, by life to re- really reclaim our space and our ourselves again. Yeah, so they speed up the buying process. So that whole one-click Amazon thing is to prevent you from having to think before, you know, I think when we used to have to put in all our bank details, put in all of our address, it's like, actually, do I actually need this? You know, that's why they put loads of stuff in the queue when you're queuing up in shops and they put loads of little bits. Not only is it to get you to like add on and buy a few extra things, it's to prevent you from standing there thinking, oh, do you know what? I can't be bothered. And instead they put you in front of other things to stand and stare at to decide whether you want to buy those as well. So they just speed it all up so that you can't, you can't go, oh, maybe not. And so because it's all got faster and quicker and easier and more convenient, we're just buying more and more and more. We're buying like, I think it's like 60% more than we were 15 years ago. It's absolutely crazy. And in terms of you saying about your friend buying another set of bedding, 
I have so many clients who, you know, they have like 15 wooden spoons in their kitchen, but they didn't realize they had that many because there were some in that cupboard, some in that cupboard, some got lost. And as we start to declutter their space, they're like, oh, I just bought another one of those. I couldn't find that or I didn't know I had that. And I bought another one. And so not only are we doing it purposefully, we're buying it without knowing that we already actually have it in our home. So yeah, the overconsumption is a massive issue. And something that I suggest to people is to literally just slow that buying process down as much as you can. So whether that's seeing something on Amazon or Pinterest or Instagram, wherever it is you see it and think, oh, I want that, is to just screenshot it and save it in your notes or in your, you know, in your screenshots in your phone and then just leave it and come back to it in a month's time. And if you still really want it, then reconsider. But most of the things that you will screenshot, you'll be like, I don't need that. Why did I want that? And then you won't buy it. I do this thing where if I want to buy something, I'll I'll look at it. I'll look, I mean, usually I look at what it's made of because I'm a fabric nerd or uh, definitely an ingredient nerd. So that's the first thing I look at, look about at where it's made. And then, especially if it's clothing, I will then imagine all the outfits I'm going to match it with or pair it with or that it's going to go with. And if it doesn't go with enough things, then I think, I don't know that I could buy this because then I'm going to have to buy lots of other things to go with it. So I, I sometimes I give it, I give things a real thought process and I'd be surprised, you know, I'm surprising myself how many things actually, you're right, don't make it through because I'm like, they just don't feel necessary or they don't work with my existing wardrobe and I'm not going to buy another whole wardrobe to match because I've wanted this one thing. So it does make me reconsider how I shop and taking that time out to actually give thought to the thing that you're buying is quite key. Yeah. And I also think, you know, reduce the temptation. So unfollow people who are continuously pushing fast fashion saying like, look at my latest haul and all of those things. Because when you haven't quite got to the point of changing your lifestyle to the point where you don't really want to consume more and you're, you know, you're, we're all easily influenced that if you can stop following those people and start following people who talk about sustainability and the environmental impact and those sorts of things, then you are kind of shifting what you're viewing on a daily basis and that's supporting you. And education is something I massively promote to help you to change your lifestyle and your mindset. So whether that's finding YouTubers, podcasts, documentaries, things that are talking about this different lifestyle because like I said at the beginning, it's not the norm. It's not something that is talked about in the wider world. So find those people who are living a lifestyle that you aspire to, you know, even reach out to them, have conversations, find your community. Because if you are going onto these apps and just looking at overconsumption, then you're going to want to live that type of way. I have some friends and I remember we all, this group of us, we went out to dinner and the restaurant was giving away, it was very small, like a free fridge magnet or something. And it had their colourful logo and some kind of little character on it. And the couple sat there and they discussed whether they were going to take it. And the guy, he was like, yeah, it's cute, it's fun. And then the girl, she was like, well, it doesn't really match with the existing decor of what we've got because actually you know if we start to bring in one thing then we really off-center they're super stylish as you can imagine we off-center 
the rest of the look of the kitchen by putting in this one kind of, you know, extravagantly dodgy fridge magnet. And they had this conversation for about like five, 10 minutes. And in the end, they both agreed that actually the fridge magnet was not going to, they were not going to accept it. And I just, I was just gobsmacked because I never, I've never given such thought and consideration to a product. I mean, most people, if you've been given something free, you just take it, put it in your handbag. And if you don't want it, you chuck it out. And I just thought the consideration, but when you go into their home, oh, it is impeccable. Like you open a wardrobe and it's, I think it's perfectly organized and line and straight. You open any cupboard. I mean, they can tell you at any moment where anything was. And one of the things that I learned from them was everything has its place. So when you talked previously about that woman who bought 15 wooden spoons, so they have a place for their wooden spoon and then they will always look in its place. So if they're like, oh, where's a wooden spoon? It's going to be in its place. So they don't just keep things randomly wherever they put them down. And that was one of the way that they organized their home. And it, it was really a very calming place to be. It was really just serene. So even though the maintenance of it feels like it's more work than just, you know, accepting free crap and then putting it in your home somewhere. It feels that the end result, so you're putting in the work at the beginning rather than at the end. So the end result is that you have a very serene place. Yeah. So obviously a lot of my clients at the beginning of their journey, but if I talk about my own lifestyle, so like I say, I've been doing this for a long time and I would probably be a lot like that couple. My home is not a show home. It's not perfect. It's lived in. My space gets cluttered as in, you know, there's stuff over the floor when I'm having a busy week and I've got lots on and I'm not always, my washing up's not always done. You know, I, I live in my home, but when I need to sort it out and I'm like, right, I give myself an hour. And for some people, it can take four or five hours just to even get their home slightly tidy. And that also includes just shoving stuff into cupboards and closing the doors. That it takes me like half the time it would other people because I have less. And like you say, everything has a place. Now, I wouldn't say my wardrobe's that immaculate and things. But what those, what that couple are doing and that I also practice in my own life is being so considerate about every single item that they're bringing, not just item, but anything they're bringing into their life. Because when your home is your sanctuary, and you have worked so hard to get it to a place where it feels calm and organized, then every single thing has to be a hell yes. Otherwise, it's a no. And that's because, you know, that one little fridge magnet means nothing. But if you get one little thing once a week and, you know, those little Amazon packages are coming in and that snowballs and accumulation builds up and up and up. So it's about being like, to them, it's not just that fridge magnet. It's like, what does that fridge magnet represent to them in terms of like it not being their aesthetic? They don't need it. All of those things, they're questioning, asking themselves. And it's something that we should all be doing, but we don't. Oh, it's just one fridge magnet. It's fine. I wondered what they did with those unwanted gifts that they get. And I'm sure they have a discreet cupboard (laughs) to put them all in. But also when we think about the mental wellness benefits as well, I know that when I'm Sometimes when things get a bit messy and I've got stuff everywhere and they're not in their place because I've broken all my rules, I know that my mind also feels that clutter. And then I feel that I put things away, tidy up, like it's cathartic for me. I feel calmer. I feel clearer in my thinking. And I think there's a whole, you know, we can't pretend that the space that we are in is not connected to our wellness. So I think there's this real idea that having less stuff can also just give our 
sort of mind and body more space to breathe. Yeah, definitely. So after my session, so many people just feel like a weight's been lifted off of them. And that's kind of like how they explain it. So I just feel like a weight has been taken off of my shoulders. And there are so many powerful mental health benefits of living with less. So by simplifying your surroundings, it can lead to reduced stress, anxiety, and ultimately it promotes a mindful and balanced approach to life because you can really start to focus on what you truly want from your life and who you want to be and how you want to contribute to the world. Um, and studies have even shown that having a clutter-free environment can reduce a woman's cortisol levels and decrease anxiety and even help you to lose weight. I think you kind of, it's such a broad spectrum of the benefits, but by reducing all of that stuff that's around you, you're like, okay, so now what do I want to do and who do I want to be? Because I'm not forever tripping up for things, looking for the keys, arguing with my partner, not being able to find that stuff. All of those things are taken away and it's like, right, I can really focus on me now. And, you know, I've had people get their dream jobs you know, completely change their life, move home, downsize, then they get that financial freedom. All of those elements can come in by just letting go of the excess. And you talk about financial freedom. There definitely is by having less stuff. It will obviously cost you less because you're not buying as many things, but you're buying things that are hopefully better so they last longer. Now, you, you said you've discovered minimalism eight years ago after watching a documentary. What does it actually mean? Is it about just less stuff? Because does it be, does life become too functional? But when I think about minimalism, I, I think there's a balance. Sometimes I think, oh, I don't want to be just in, live entirely functionally. Like I want beautiful things. I want this beautiful piece of artwork. I want these things that bring me joy. I need these extra flourishings. Is it sort of boring versus expression? Is it existing versus living? How do you find that balance? Because I think too minimalist and it can be a bit bland, but you go the other way and it's hugely overwhelming. How do you find that balance? Yeah, so the minimalism you're talking about is an aesthetic. And I think this is what people get very confused by because design companies and marketing companies have taken on minimalism and turned it into something you can purchase or a way of your home looking. And that is something that's, yeah, really misunderstood. So a great way of explaining what minimalism is, is by saying what it isn't. And it isn't having a set strict of rules to follow. And it isn't about the physical things that you do or have. It's a lifestyle. It isn't about as owning as humanly little as possible and, you know, living in a tiny white box. It isn't about frugality. So there are minimalists who wear black and nothing else. And, you know, they have four t-shirts and two pairs of trousers and that's it. And people who have no artwork on their walls and people say to me, but I love all of these books that I have and I've got this collection of something or other and they tell me all about it. And I'm like, that's amazing. Keep it. You know, that doesn't mean you're not a minimalist. It's about living with intention. It's about removing all of that excess around you and focusing on what you truly love and what you truly need. So yeah, for me, it's not got a certain structure. It can be completely different for everyone. 
but it's about having that intentional life. So, so you can still have a maximalist style, but a minimalist lifestyle. A hundred percent. As long as everything in your home, you know, you've considered and you absolutely love it and you or you use it, then to me, then that's wonderful. It's definitely just about having intention. You talked about a capsule wardrobe previously, and I've heard about this so frequently in um, in kind of fashion magazines. What is a capsule wardrobe? How does someone go about building a capsule wardrobe? So I think like minimalism, there's so many different terms of what it is. And for some people, it's having a set number of things. But for me, it's about have it being once again intentional with your wardrobe. So it's about owning some really high quality basics. So some basic white tees, you know, basic long sleeves and vest tops, whatever your kind of style is, but having some good quality basics. So made from natural materials that are going to last a long time and that you can then mix up with other exciting pieces in your wardrobe. So whether you have that really amazing pair of trousers, you absolutely love some really lovely skirts full of patterns and colors, if that's your sort of thing, but being able to mix and match what you have. So the basics, I tend to say, pick those neutral colors that are versatile and then having some really nice pieces. Or you could have all basics and then just have a really amazing jewelry collection. So you're mixing it up with those sorts of things. But it's once again, making sure that everything in your wardrobe goes together. It fits every occasion. Something I say is, you know, I have clients who have like 20, 30 pairs of um, gym leggings. And then I'm like, how many times do you go to the gym? And they say, twice a week. I'm like, okay, so you could probably do your washing, like you don't need to do your washing for like six, eight months, and but you probably do it once a week. So realistically, you might only need four pairs of gym leggings and that's going to last you two weeks. So let's get them down to the ones that you really love, great quality, you use the most. And the ones that are kind of falling apart, a little bit raggy, let's let those ones go. So it means having less excess and having stuff you truly wear because we're only using about 30% of our wardrobe 70% of the time. So you could get rid of all of that stuff that doesn't fit from when you had kids, when you're in your 20s going clubbing and you're not doing that anymore. So consider what your lifestyle is and who you are today and then dress for that. That's so interesting because, um, yeah, it is. I have things in my wardrobe that, I haven't worn for a few years uh, and I often wonder what purpose they serve me by still being in my wardrobe. I think maybe there's an element of like, oh, maybe it will come back into fashion or maybe it will fit me again or maybe I'll one day go out to that place again and this will be the perfect outfit. So I know there are things that I also have that if I'm being very honest, I, I don't need them. They don't need to be there and I'm sure someone else can find a better home and a better use for them. So you have to really approach this with real honesty with yourself. Yeah, you have to have a lot of real honest conversations with yourself. And something that can be really good is to write out a big set of questions to help yourself to ask those those difficult ones. So just like, when did I last wear this? Am I realistically going to wear this in the next year? You know, um, is it my style? Does it fit? You know, if you've had three kids and in your early 20s were size six and now you're size 16, you know, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. It's like your body's have changed. You've had kids. But like, are you going to get back to a size six? Maybe you will. Maybe you're on a, you know, that health kick and you're thinking, yes, that is my goal. But 
is having those clothes in your wardrobe that are like five sizes too small making you feel good every day? Is it really motivating you? Yes. How does it serve you? I think I've I've heard this somewhere else as well, not in a a fashion context, but in a kind of broader context about our behaviors. And they always ask you, like, how does this serve your purpose? And how does this serve to like benefit or enrich your life? And a lot of the time, yeah, like if you've got those clothes that don't fit anymore, they're not serving you. Maybe they're just actually making you feel a bit worse. Yeah. And if we change it away from clothing, because I think clothing is such an easy topic to kind of people can all relate. But if we went to like memory stuff, if you've got loads of stuff from an ex-partner and, you know, it wasn't a great relationship, but you feel like you have to keep hold of this because it was a gift or things that have bad memories attached to them, but they're like, oh, no, well, I, I feel like I've got to hold on to that. And then I always question, but why? You, you don't have good memories and it doesn't make you feel good. And then people start to think, oh, yeah. And then it's like, well, maybe we can let this go and someone else can, you know, they don't have that memory attached to them and they can get joy out of this. Like only have things in your home that make you feel good. So Shannon, how did you get into minimalism? Obviously you, you said you saw a documentary that, that inspired you, but talk me through your journey and your journey of being a founder. I mean, it can't be easy setting up your own business, as I know. It's always this idea of what you think it's going to be versus what it actually turns out to be. <laughs> and they can sometimes be hugely different or there's kind of a, a real mix and it, it can be quite a roller coaster of a ride. Talk me through your journey and what brought you to sort of minimalism and setting up your own company. Yes, I've actually been self-employed since the age of 21 and I'm now 31 as of on Wednesday. So I, so I have been self-employed for the majority of my adult life. So I have been employed at parts, but I, so I, I don't really know much different than the craziness of being self-employed. But basically, yeah, about seven, eight years ago, my partner at the time just happened to say to me, shall we put this documentary on Netflix completely no rhyme or reason to it just saw it said let's put this on and we sat down and watched it for an hour and afterwards we just looked at each other and I was just like wow it just felt like a door had been opened to a different way of living and I stepped through that door and I couldn't go back the other way They talked about, you know, Black Friday. There was videos of people fighting each other over TVs. And then in the extreme version, the other direction, they talked about people living in tiny homes, nomads. And it was just showing this different lifestyle you could have if you choose a life of less and with intention. And it was just life changing for me. And I think a lot of people just put on documentaries, watch them and oh, that's nice. And then like go about their lives. But for me, it just put a fire under me and I just wanted to learn more. So I started watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts, finding other documentaries about sustainability in terms of mostly about the fashion industry, because it's something that is documented a, a lot. And I just wanted to learn more and more and more. And I started decluttering my own personal life. I put everything that I didn't want in a massive pile in the living room. And I was running around like an absolute nutter, like, I don't need this. I don't need this. And creating this massive pile. And that isn't how I suggest my clients declutter their homes. But that's, you know, that's all I knew or could do. And it was a great starting point for me. 
not only was I decluttering my physical possessions, but I started sorting out my finances. So I unsubscribed to all those sort of things that you pay for monthly that you don't even realize you're really paying for. So, and then like digital stuff, deleting all the pictures that you've got from, you know, your dinner five years ago and just really curating my life to have, like I say, things that I really want, things that I really need and things that I love. And then me and my partner broke up after our six-year relationship and I wasn't earning very much money. I own a greetings card business, which are sustainable greetings cards that have like seeds embedded in the paper and they're made from post-consumer waste. And at the time, my business wasn't really going very, very well. And I had to move to my dad's who lived about six hours away. And as I was packing up my stuff, I realized that I could fit everything into my car. And for me, in that moment of being 27 and my life not turning out quite how I thought it was going to be, I was moving in with a parent and I didn't have any money. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I had this just sense of freedom that I wasn't having to hire a massive moving van and have all of that stress and panic and financial burden of getting it all down there and trying to find somewhere to store it or where was I going to put it all. I could just get it all into that space and within a couple of hours be set up and ready to start a new adventure. So for me, that was really great. And then I got there and the pandemic hit (laughs) and it's like, okay, now what? But for me, it turned out to be a bit of a blessing because I could really work on my business and less about sending things out because all the shops were closed. And once again, I was really focusing back on my finances as I was now living with um, a parent I could save. So it allowed me to actually save up the money to buy my first property. And I thank minimalism for that because like I said, I wasn't purchasing those tiny £5, £10 purchases that a lot of people do. And all of that actually adds up. So a good thing I'd suggest is go through your bank statements and highlight all those little tiny purchases and see how much that comes to each month because that might be a good motivator. So yeah, so I did that and went through lockdown and my business actually started to take off and allowed me to start to buy my first property. And then as I was going through that process, I had this realization that I want to be able to help people to change their life in the way that I feel like minimalism has helped me to change mine. Because like we've said in this conversation, there's so many benefits to it. And so I was like, how do I help people with minimalism? Like, what does that look like? And in my research, I discovered professional organizers. Now, the only thing I would say about most professional organizers is it's very much about the pretty boxes and displaying things lovely and the labels and, you know, those Pinterest pantries. And for me, that's not what it is about. So I wanted to offer people aftercare because otherwise people are coming in making your home look beautiful. They help you to declutter and then they're gone. And it's like, okay, now what? Because all those habits are still there. So I wanted to make sure that my clients were able to have that help and support after to truly transform their mindset and lifestyle to not reconsume. Because that's part of the environmental issue is that people think, well, I'll just declutter everything and then I can buy some new stuff. You know, I'll get rid of this and I'll get a new one. But then we're literally just like putting it in landfill or giving it to the charity shop, which ultimately a lot of that stuff ends up in 
developing countries and being sold on and then ending up in their landfill. It's about just stopping at that point. Declutter, then stop and then become slow in your purchasing. I also think that we don't necessarily, we don't shop out of necessity, but it can be a way to fill a space and avoid. And perhaps there's also like when we declutter and we reduce our possessions, we have extra time and we're not necessarily sure what we do with that extra time if we're not spending it shopping. If we're not buying things, what are we doing? And that can be really uncomfortable for some people because that's then a personal journey inwards to discover more about yourself and what else you could be doing to grow your personal skills, whether it's something artistic, whether it's something, you know, creating something. And I think that's what I think that's what people fear because they're like shopping. What am I doing? What am I doing with all this extra time? And I think maybe getting a hobby, trying to discover something new that you're passionate about instead of buying is probably something that takes a bit of courage. Massively. But that is where that amazing transformation can happen. So don't look at it as like, well, what do I do? Like, I'm I'm buying things and now that's gone. So now what? Think of it as an opportunity of, right, now I can start that thing I keep saying I want to do or now I can spend that money on experiences with my friends and family. So it can really enrich your life. Yeah, take that as a positive of like, now I've got this time and I can do all these things that I've always wanted to do and there's no limit to that. And in COVID, we had a massive wake-up call of that. I know that, you know, some horrific things happened in COVID, but one of the benefits is like all those shops closed. And do you remember in the first lockdown, you couldn't even, you know, people were terrified of even the post, like the post is going to bring you COVID. You got to clean your letters and everyone was bleaching everything that everyone just stopped buying anything. And it was like, what is our priority? Our priority is our health and our friends and family. And everyone was sat doing quizzes on Zoom and everyone was going for their one like one day, one day, go for their walk once a day. They were just, you know, getting out, getting that exercise, doing the couch to 5K, baking, doing things that were experiences rather, you know, from our home, but doing experiences and spending time more than ever because they didn't have that, oh, buy this, buy that. And it just wasn't a possibility. So everyone has experienced a version of minimalism, but then the world opened back up and we just were like, oh, okay, we're just going to go back to everything. So yeah, it's about what's really important and that is friends and family. And so instead of buying them all this stuff at Christmas, give them an experience, go to the zoo together or go on holiday or, you know, whatever it is, where even if it's just going for a coffee in a local coffee shop. Give them your time. Your time is your most precious thing that you have. You know, you can't buy more time. So give them that instead of some physical thing that they're just going to throw in the back of a cupboard. Yeah. And connecting with people, of course, that will kind of make you feel more fulfilled, connected with part of that belonging as well. It's such an important emotion and feeling to our well-being as well. I want to touch upon something we kind of talked about earlier, which is social media. Obviously, always bombarding us with things to buy. And I, I like to think that, you know, as we start becoming more intentional about what we do and how we spend our time, social media is one that we address as well. Because 
I do notice like the ads, they just follow you around. You come off social media and you go on your search engine for something else. You go on your emails and the same ad is now like following you like Freddy Krueger and you can't get away from it. And I know that I'm now, you know, I really start to notice it and I'm really mindful of it. And one of the things that I, I think of social media like a supermarket, like you can go in and buy all that junk food or you can go in and buy something healthy. Do I really make sure that I follow kind of things that nourish my mind instead of encouraging me to shop and buy and feel like I'm missing something or wanting something? So I'll, I'll follow things that are more inspirational to help in my personal growth or my creativity as opposed to things that I would be buying. And that's a nice way as well to, to kind of start to manage the kind of shopping cravings. Yeah, I think it's part of curating your life, isn't it? Of what yeah. you're exposed to. And trust me, you know, the other day I put on my Instagram that I was sat for about five minutes. I'd been on stories and I some post had come up, you know, an advert in my stories for these tiny little vases that have been handmade in a ceramic and they're really cute. And I sat there looking at them for about five minutes and kind of like, oh, they're really sweet. Oh, I really like that. I could put a tiny little plant or like, you know, a little bit of something in that. And what colour do I like? And then I caught myself and thought, what am I doing? What am I going to do with these tiny little vases? They're going to stay on a shelf. They're going to get covered in dust. They're not going to do anything. What am I doing? So believe me, like we all get sucked into these things, but it's about catching yourself and just asking what am I actually going to do with this? How many of us have spiralizers sat in the back of our cupboard? Because at one point it was like, oh, we're all going to make courgette spaghetti. Like this is the new health thing. We all need this. Like everyone goes out and buys it. And then probably everyone's made like courgette spaghetti once and then it's sat in a cupboard. It's like, don't get suckered into this thing of like, this is it. This is going to change our lives. Buy this now. Like, because generally it doesn't. So many millionaires are saying like, you know, I've got everything I could possibly want, but that isn't what brings happiness. I can tell you from sat on my high and mighty castle, this isn't it. It's about relationships. It's about friendships. It's about experiences. And so if someone who could buy the world is telling you that, it's something to listen to, I think. I definitely agree with that. Listen, it's been great having you on. I think you've been talking about how we need to start curating our life with intention and awareness and purpose and you've given me a lot to think about and hopefully our listeners to think about as well you've been really inspiring and I know you've now made me question a lot of things in my in my way of life and I thought I was quite good at things but I think I've learned a lot from you as well so I really appreciate your time today Shannon and I wish you all the best in your journey. Thank you so much and if I can just say you know because I think it's so good to have these conversations, but people might be going away thinking, okay, but what do I do? Where do I start? (laughs) I want to declutter now and I want to simplify, but what should I do? And I always suggest that literally just go and pick the place that you feel like doesn't even need decluttering, like doesn't even need touching. You did it a couple of weeks ago and go and empty that entire space out and start to go through the items that are in there. And ask yourself those questions we were talking about 
and really having those honest conversations because I'm sure there'll probably be about 50% of the stuff that you'll be ready to let go of. And then once you've done that and you've ticked that off, you can start to go around the rest of your home and slowly building up. But yeah, just find one tiny space to start in because it will just snowball for you and you'll want to declutter your entire home. (laughs) I'm a bit scared and a bit excited at the same time. Thank you so much, Shannon. Thank you.